Welcome back, moms. I'm excited that you are back here listening in this week. So last week we had talked about my son's speech therapy and his speech delay. Um, And that's something I want to talk about still. I don't want it to get left behind. But I have talked to my son's speech therapist and we are working on getting her on to do a podcast with me. And I would really love her here to give you guys the best information that you can get. I want to make sure that we're asking the right questions for her so that we can get the best answers because speech therapy and speech delays are not uncommon. Um, A lot of the times moms think their kids have speech delays and they don't and I want to make sure that we get the correct information for you and to make sure that you guys are informed. I think that it would be really great if she was here. So we're going to hold off and we're going to continue on something else that I know is a big deal. Toys. So many toys, especially after Christmas. Oh man, there's kids have so many toys and it's intense. I want to talk about are these toys that we get for our kids for Christmas, for their birthday, for whatever holiday you celebrate that are bringing these toys in and cluttering our homes? Is it really good for them? Toys are essential to children's development, but are we overwhelming their brains and overstimulating them? Overstimulation occurs when children are swamped by experiences or sensations or noise and activities that they usually can cope with. Signs of overstimulation in babies can be the normal crankiness, but also moving in jerky ways or clenching their fists, kicking. Overstimulation in toddlers and preschoolers can be when they throw themselves on the floor um, and have fits of anger or they cry and not be able to express to you how they feel with their words or even doing a simple task like going to get their sneakers near the door. So how do we destimulate? How do we make it so that they are not overstimulated and they're not expressing themselves in these negative ways? Well, one thing is to limit the toys. How do we get rid of these toys? Let's let's talk about that, okay? We need to declutter. We need to get these toys rotating. So they say that you should have 12 toys and under for a toddler that's up and walking and moving around. If your baby's crawling and hasn't started walking, they say about eight toys. And if you have an infant, four toys. So when I took out the boys' toys, I took out a few items, but I left some essential items. So I have a one-year-old that's crawling slash walking and my two-year-old who's walking. So basically 24 toys they should have combined. I actually have less than that. Um, We have in our living room, we have a toy kitchen for them to play with and the items that go with the kitchen, I kind of combine as one toy because without the kitchen, you can have the pots and pans and the food, but without the food and the pots and pans, you really can't have the kitchen. So I combine those two. In my box that I have that I keep the boys' toys in, it's just a wooden crate from Michael's. In that box, I have some wooden stacking rings. I have Wyatt's 
bucket of infant toys, so a couple of chewing, we call them chew tubes. William also uses the chew tubes, but we have the chew tubes and a couple music makers and a few other things in that specific bucket for Wyatt, which William also accesses. We have a couple of other items in that crate as well. They have a remote control car and a dog that's on a pull string. They also have a drawer with wooden puzzles and a drawer with trains. And the last thing that they have is a big push dump truck that has all of the cars that they play with. And that's everything that they have downstairs. In their rooms, they have toy boxes that have toys in them that we will be going through also. They don't play in their rooms very much and when they do they generally play in William's room and William has the big ticket item the train table and that usually keeps them occupied so what I want you to do is when your children are in bed you can then decide what toys you're going to keep and what toys you're going to get rid of and the toys that you want to get rid of are the damaged, the broken, the missing too many parts. Those can go into the trash. Now the best thing to do is try to find a use for them if you can. So if you have a Monopoly game that's missing too many of the cards to keep playing, take the money and use that money for play money. Um, you can even take the houses and hotels and make a little city for your son if they're old enough. But try to utilize what you can. Get rid of the rest if it's damaged, if it's ruined. Then when you have toys that you have separated, you can determine are you going to keep these toys for the rotation or if you're going to donate them. And I highly suggest donating the toys instead of to an organization, find a local pay it forward on Facebook. So your local pay it forward page or your recycle page, um, anything like that, so that you know that those toys are going directly to someone that wants or needs them and not to an organization that's going to sell them for profit. So when you find the toys that you want to cycle, Take them and remove them from the house. Make sure you put them somewhere that they're not going to find. Bring them to your in-laws. Bring them to your um, husband's work. Put them in the attic or in the basement or somewhere that the kids really won't go. And then after a month or two months or three months, you can then switch out half of them or switch out all of them or one toy at a time. It's up to you, but making sure that you're limiting the toys that they have access to and what they play with on a daily basis. Now I have items like construction paper, finger paint, markers, crayons, all of that set aside and I don't consider those things to be part of their 12 toys that they're allowed to have. It's more like an educational item. I also never get rid of books. So a really good thing with books is that you can't get too many of them, really. They do grow out of them, and at that point in time, you can then recycle those books. A lot of the times as infants or young toddlers, they chew on them or rip them, so those books tend to end up in the trash. Books are really awesome. I love books. I ask my family to buy my boys books instead of greeting cards. Greeting cards cost on an average of $5. You can get them at 
at Target or Walmart for a fraction of the cost or right around the same cost as a greeting card. And the greeting card's going to go in the trash and the book's going to go on the bookshelf. I ask my friends and family to write in the books. So sign them so that they can read those books and go back and look to see, oh, I got this book from so-and-so and this is the story or this is the message they wrote to me. And it's special. Not a card that's going to get stuffed into a box, but a book that's going to get utilized. I think one of the most difficult things is getting gifts from family members and loved ones for your kiddos. So Christmas, birthdays, other holidays like Easter or whatever it may be, every situation tends to come with a toy. It's hard to tell your family and loved ones, hey, listen, we really don't need any more toys. But now I'm finding that people have Amazon wish lists or Target wish lists. And I feel like, okay, my nephew's birthday's coming up. Let me click on the link, pick something out, press ship, and there you go. It, it's not as unique as it used to be where you would walk into a store and get to play with a toy that you liked and, oh, I really like this. I'm going to get this for my nephew. And that's fine. People do that. It's the day and age and it's okay. A good rule of thumb is to make sure you're putting things that your child needs on the wish lists and if you know that there's a toy that you can rotate out that's okay to put on the wish list as well. I do like books. I always put on the invitations please bring a book. That's just number one thing and my family now having two boys and they've gone through two Christmases and two birthday parties. My family now knows that it's just books that I hardly ever get greeting cards and that's great, but I'm still getting toys. So how do you ask to not get toys? That's the big question. And it's hard. It's hard to sit down and say, listen, we really don't need any toys. Can you not bring anything? Or if you feel that you need to bring something, please bring an extra book or clothes, socks, shoes, something along the lines of things that they may need instead of want. Books. I, I'm going to say books probably a hundred times in this podcast because I love them. Um, they are so great. Sometimes William, it'll be quiet. And you know what quiet means generally with boys is something's going wrong. <laughs> and I'll, I'll like panic a little bit and look over and he'll just be sitting in the corner reading his book. It's awesome. Every room that the boys go into, there's books available. They can read a book. It's great. So emphasize that. Tell your family, hey, I really want the boys to have a growing collection of books. Please get them books. Um, it's so, so important for them to have that material to be able to read. So let's recap um, really quickly. What is it that we are going to do? We want to make sure that our children are not being overstimulated by too many toys. And that's just one thing that they could be being overstimulated on. Another thing is screen time. And that's another podcast. Um, but so we want to make sure that their toys are not overflowing out of their toy boxes or into your living room. We want to make sure that they're not overstimulating our children's brains and that they have just enough toys to make sure that they are content with playing and that they're not going to get bored. So again, 12 toys for a toddler that's up and moving around, eight toys for a crawling baby, and four toys for an infant. We're going to get rid of toys by donating them, repurposing them, 
and recycling them, making sure that the child has what they need to be able to play and a variety of toys. So we have trucks, we have a kitchen, we have some learning puzzles, we have trains, and then we have some stacking blocks or, you know, more on the infant side for my one-year-old. Chewy tubes and a variety of chewing toys um, so that he has that. But those are the things that I want you guys to work on. Decluttering, they don't need a hundred toys. And it's hard because you want to get them all these exciting, fun things. And one big item is great. We have the toy kitchen and both boys will use it. And they have a couple of sets of pots and pans and they have a set of food items. And they use that and they play with it and they love it. And that's okay. Now, don't put pressure on yourself to get 12 toys in your son's toy box. If you have 15 toys you have 15 toys. This isn't a, this is what you need to do, put my fist down. This is a, let me help you get rid of the overwhelming amount of toys that you just got because Santa stopped at your house and your son's birthday's in January and you're not sure what you're going to do. Or like me, my son's birthday was in November. I basically told everybody, hey, listen, Wyatt's birthday is November. Christmas is December and William is 15 months older than him. So everything that William had goes directly to him. He needs nothing. I told everybody, please come enjoy the party. It was an outside social distance broken up by time frame. You, everyone had their own frame, a uh, time frame. Come eat food, enjoy, see the boys. I set up a photo booth type thing for people to take pictures at so that they could enjoy it. Everybody got a zip drive with the boys pictures on it, family pictures on it, and then whatever pictures that they were able to take. And there was no need for presents. I asked people to bring them books. We got books. I asked people if they wanted to bring something to please bring clothes. So there was a couple things that they needed and my family was really good about it. They brought it. Did he get a couple of toys? Absolutely. He got a couple of toys. Was it detrimental? Absolutely not. They play with them. They like them. The things that they don't play with are stored away and will be donated or reused or recycled in some way or another. So that's how you guys can declutter. That's how you can make sure your child's not overstimulated. That's how you can make sure that you are doing what you can to help yourself and your child be the best that you can be when it comes to all these toys. You're helping your family make sure that they're getting the things that you actually need for your kids. And all in all, hopefully your living rooms are a little less cluttered, your kids are a little less stressed out, and your family's a little bit more happy. So that's my spiel on toys, and I'm glad you guys stuck through it. Now let's talk about COVID. So I want to talk about COVID, and the thing is, is I'm not going to be going into any educational aspect of COVID. I'm simply going to be talking to you about my life, my family's life, and how we 
got COVID. So I will start with back in March when COVID came to the States and started becoming pandemic-like. I was in a work setting where it was being blown out of proportion for the time. It had just barely gotten here um, and it made it very uncomfortable work situation and I was full of anxiety. So at that point I was watching numbers and couldn't stay off the news and I was adamant that my family stay inside and we don't go anywhere unless we absolutely have to and it's wear masks, wash hands, wipe everything down and I've always been on the cautious side of germs ever since my oldest son was born and he got sick at three and a half weeks old and since that hospital stay and that traumatic experience I've been always concerned with germs and it's gotten worse and then my second son was born in flu season November of 2019 which then went right into COVID times and I basically put a bubble around my family. I kept us inside. The boys didn't go out to stores. Wyatt went to one store. He's been to one store in his life. He's 13 months old. He went to Target before Christmas so we could pick out a artificial Christmas tree because I didn't want to go bring the boys out in the cold to pick out a real one. And that was the only store he's been to. And I made sure that we stayed safe. So anything that we bought, we wiped down with Clorox. I did not hoard toilet paper or paper towels, mind you. I just always have about a package and a half in my house of both. That's just how I've always done it (laughs) pre-COVID. I didn't hoard that. I did buy a big jug of Lysol, though. We did stay stocked with food, specifically. But anyway, so we were very cautious through this entire time and... My mother lives with us. She lives in our home and she was providing daycare for us um, while my husband and I worked full time. And at that time, we made sure that she stayed safe as well. She's a high risk. She's over 60. She has a lot of health issues. So she would be a, a high risk person. So we made sure to stay safe and keep her safe. And I cut a lot of people out of our lives. We didn't, not emotionally, but physically, we cut them out. We made sure that we did see some people here and there, but we kept it minimal. We kept it to like one gathering of four people or less um, a weekend. If we saw one person, we wouldn't see anybody else. And that was minimal. Um, my son's birthday in August, we did an outdoor party People had time slots. Everyone had to wear a mask. Again, in November, my son was born on the 25th, but we had the party on November 7th and it was outside and people had time slots. So we've been very careful. So long story short, my mom went to the hospital and she was quite sick. And upon discharge, I was feeling like I had very dry nose and some congestion. So I work in healthcare and I figured, you know what, let me just go get tested to make sure it's not just so she's safe to come home. I 100% thought that I was going to test negative and I tested positive. I tried to track back where I got it. So at work, 
I work in a pharmacy with three other people, sometimes four depending, and we take every precaution that the CDC tells us to take. On top of that, I wear two surgical masks. If I go out in public to a store, I wear a KN95 mask. I wash my hands, I don't touch my face, I don't touch my mask. I follow the basic guidelines. So we had contact with two people Sunday night and those people tested positive for COVID on the following Tuesday and they said that they were in contact with someone at their facility on Monday. That was the closest connection that I could find and it was technically a day before they were exposed. So I look back and I try to figure out where I contracted COVID because when I'm at work, I wear two masks. When I'm out in public, I wear one mask and no one else comes into our house other than these two people that have been coming to our house consistently and they help take care of the boys, especially when my mom was sick in the hospital. They were with my children on Sunday while my husband and I went out to do our groceries and my sons never showed symptoms until after we showed symptoms. So they would have had it first if the people that we saw on Sunday gave it to them or us, but they didn't give it to us. Other than that, I cannot figure out where I got it. The only thing I can think of beyond specifically getting it from somebody is that I was either in the store or at work and I came within a six feet of someone and a surgical mask does not protect 100%. It helps, but it still can let the virus through. Same with a KN95 mask. It doesn't seal to your face and the virus can still get around the mask. So I'm thinking that somewhere along the line, I may have gotten too close to somebody, which is kind of easy to do considering we work in a 12 by 12 pharmacy and we work inside of a clinic. So I maybe got it in the air from somebody who was walking past me or by me through my surgical mask or around my KN95 mask. And that's all I can think of. But regardless, I tested positive. My mom couldn't come home. My boys and my husband had already been exposed. And my symptoms were significantly less than my husband. So I had the congestion in the nose, the headache, the stuffiness, the loss of taste, loss of smell, the very little coughing. I coughed very, very little and I didn't have any trouble breathing. I was extremely exhausted. The amount of exhaustion that you get when you get COVID is unbelievable. It's worse than the flu. It comes in waves. Well, for us, this is all how it worked in my family. It affects everybody differently, but the exhaustion came in waves. So one minute I was trying not to fall asleep and nodding off on the couch and my body felt like it was 3000 pounds. And then the next minute I could get up and do something. Now, implement that into my life with two boys, ages one and two, and my husband also feeling cruddy as well. We, we were taking turns. If I was tired, he was up doing something. If he was tired, I was up doing something, and we would just alternate back and forth. My husband had worse breathing symptoms. He was coughing a lot. He couldn't catch his breath. He had a temperature. He lost his taste, he lost his smell, not sure about his congestion or not, but he was very, very, very exhausted as well. 
And at one point in time, actually on New Year's Eve, he was pale and he looked horrible. We thought we were going to the emergency room. Honestly, we did. Luckily, we have contact with our doctor and she was guiding us through the whole thing, which was nice, but we didn't end up going and he stayed home and went to bed. And then two days later, he was actually feeling a lot better, but he had it worse than me. It was scary at times. We are generally healthy 30-year-olds and for him to be that sick was nerve-wracking. I got lucky, honestly. I just had a really bad cold mixed a little bit with the flu is how I felt. And not being able to taste or smell was interesting too. We had to set timers to check our kids' diapers because we both couldn't smell. We weren't sure if they pooped. So that was an interesting experience. But Wyatt never showed symptoms. So I had to quarantine for 10 days. My husband got sick and showed symptoms. He had to quarantine for 10 days from when he started symptoms. William started symptoms and quarantined for 10 days from his symptoms. Wyatt has not shown symptoms. So he has to quarantine from William's day 10. If that makes any sense at all. We don't know if Wyatt has it or if he's asymptomatic, or if he just hasn't contracted it yet. If he will ever contract it, we don't know. And we're not going to rush out to get him tested. There's no need. We never got William tested because there was no need. He had mild symptoms. So William had a runny nose and a little bit of a cough, and his nose was bothering him. That's it. Never even a temperature. So it's very interesting how it affects every single person differently. And I know that eventually, I have no idea when, but I know eventually this will no longer be a pandemic and it will just be like the flu, a new flu. Okay, it's flu season, it's cold season, it's RSV season, it's COVID season. Be careful. But as of right now, we're not there yet. And coming from somebody that has it, not speaking any politics here, but specifically coming from somebody that had COVID and their family had COVID. It is real and it's scary. I just want people to take it seriously if that's anything that comes out of this. It's ugly. So please stay safe. Do what you need to do to protect your family. But that is my COVID story. I would be happy to answer any questions. If you want to head over to the Boy Moms Only Facebook page and you will see at the top of the page the podcast and the announcements. Feel free to ask questions, give me ideas on what you want to hear or talk about, and we will go from there. So I am working on getting Amy here for William's speech therapy and talking with her about that. Hopefully we can get her on that podcast. We will release another podcast in two weeks and I will let you all know what that podcast is going to be about. Maybe I will talk about the traumatic experiences with William, his birth and then his readmission to the hospital at three and a half weeks. I think that would be interesting to hear about. So I will leave it at that and I will sign out now. And thanks all for joining in and listening in. We'll talk to you in two weeks. Remember, mamas, stay happy and healthy.